So two things I think we should address. Mm-hmm. <laughs> when you got here today. Yes, of course. I think maybe we should put that reaction video online. <laughs> <laughs> so long story short, I have a pair of overalls that I love very much. Mm-hmm. And I got out of the shower and was getting dressed. Hadn't picked out a shirt yet. And put the straps up without anything on underneath. Because I thought it would be funny. And because I'm married to Danny, I was like, ooh, you sexy, huh? <laughs> <laughs> and she was like, oh, that's a look. <laughs> so, anyway, we sat there and I, like, jokingly was like, is this too much? When Kiana gets here, would... Wouldn't it be funny <laughs> if <laughs> I just came out like this, and no shirt, mm-hmm. just barely covering my nipples with my overall bib, <laughs> <laughs> and then we had a full 15-minute discussion about, are we there in our relationship? <laughs> I don't know. She helped me get into my wedding dress. I don't think she's ever seen my nipples, though. So anyway, we had this big, long discussion. I decided to put on my flesh-colored, like, spanks. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so so there would be no nipple slippage. And then, boy howdy, when you came in the house, <laughs> I was like, here's my moment. <laughs> it was so shocking for me because Danny needed a secret way to record me. So she came into the room accusing me of being late and, like, bringing her phone out and being like, oh, you're five Uh minutes late, brought it out. And so I immediately was on the defenses. (laughs) I was just like, I need to protect myself from this interrogation. And then you come out from the corner, hands on your hips. Well, hello there. (laughs) And my defenses were up, but they weren't expecting that. (laughs) And it just took a lot for me to process. And you looked naked. Like, I could not tell there were spanks underneath. I just thought you fully were naked besides the overalls. Oh, gosh. It was so funny. I'm so happy that it, <laughs> that it w- went off so seamlessly. It was worth the fucking half an hour that I spent going, should I, shouldn't I, should I, shouldn't I. So happy I did. It was so good. Oh, God. What a time. And now I've found out that we are, in fact, at that point in our relationship, and you would have been cool with it. I was totally... I thought you were naked. I was actually really impressed that your nipples were staying inside the overalls. (laughs) Look, that's part of why I put the spanks on, because I was like, if I put my arms out, they're going out. (laughs) They're just... Boop, boop. They're going to poke out on either side, and then we're really going to have a show. So... And at one point, Danny was, when we were trying to fucking, like, problem solve this, mm-hmm. she was like, well, just use some duct tape. And I was like, no. <laughs> I'm not putting duct tape over any part of my breasts <laughs> for Kiana's <laughs> sake. So we have to come up with a better idea. It would have been very funny if you were wearing, like, pasties. Right. Because then that would have doubled the shock. <laughs> Because then, like, <laughs> I wasn't expecting naked. Yeah. And then I got fun not nipples yeah. coming out. <laughs> not nips. <laughs> not nips. <laughs> There'd be a lot that I had to process. It would have been great. Just little, like, happy smiley faces <laughs> pop out from either side of my overalls. <laughs> that would have been great. <laughs> oh, God. Boy, am I happy that worked out. I, I'm just tickled by it. It was very funny. It was uh, great. That happened. Mostly this happened because we came home from the gym, which, let me tell you, it was just saturated with mm. testosterone today. Oh. Danny and I both had to fucking, like, strong arm our way into a fucking... <laughs> She's doing karate moves. <laughs> yeah, we had to, like, strong arm our way into the one, like, empty bench with oh. this guy on one side dropping weights and, uh. like, stretching his groin, like, <laughs> really? like, fucking 
Kai did when we were doing our oh. our Joe Bones movie. <laughs> Ew. Yeah. Yeah. Gross. Just really ugh, uh, putting his putting everything into it. And then on display. There, oh yeah. And then there's this he look, he was not very he was not a scrawny, slim man. He was a little short, chubby guy, but he had big arm muscles. Mm-hmm. And he was walking around in like a bro tank sweatpants and sunglasses and just like checking out his guns and then just like oh what if he was just blind (laughs) (laughs) you're being a dick (laughs) i'm willing to take that risk because if he was he was imagining his guns were just enormous by popping them in the mirror and i was like what is ha- I didn't see him do a single workout. I just saw him walking around flexing. Ooh. It was just a lot of <laughs> a lot of toxic masculine energy in there today. <laughs> I was like, Bleh, I need to leave. Oh, that's too bad. Mm-hmm. The gyms are going to be pretty crowded for the right. next few weeks. For exactly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Not pleased. But then everyone <laughs> will give up. <laughs> And we'll still go and be like, oh, this is terrible. <laughs> it's me. I'll give up. <laughs> I'm Look, one of those people. <laughs> I'm going to be real honest. I went to the gym today, but like barely. <laughs> I did some back and biceps. I did a five minute warm up. And then I just kind of followed Danny around. <laughs> I, I actually looked in the mirror and like, Ugh. And looked at my guns, and I was like, look at me. <laughs> Put on sunglasses. Yes, exactly. <laughs> uh, anyway, that's all. That's my story. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, everyone. Hello, everybody. We're here. It's That Broad's Got Moxie. Yes, it is. Whoop, whoop. My name is not Cassie. That's, my name's not Kiana. Yeah. Because the other one. You get it. D- yeah. Keep up. Cat. Cassie's here. Jesus, Danny's here. <laughs> yeah. This is episode 49. Mm-hmm. We've We're decided. Almost to the big 5-0. Shit. But not quite. So not quite. calm down. <laughs> Dial it back. <laughs> Jesus. It's a new year. Mm-hmm. This is a weekend to the new year. Oh, it is. Happy new year, everyone. Yes. Hope you're, Hope the first week of the new year... Is treating you well so far? Yes. Hopefully. Hopefully, <laughs> hopefully you're goal setting. I yeah. love goal setting. Kiana loves to set and goals. I highly encourage everybody to set resolutions. I like to set goals and then I get about halfway through. <laughs> you know what? A little bit is better than nothing. Exactly. And I was taught that if you write down your goals, you're more likely to achieve them. Mm. So that's why I always write down my goals and then I don't achieve them. But I did start a podcast, and that's something. We sure fucking <laughs> did. Year. Holy shit. I was thinking about that the other day, and I was like, oh, boy. Oh, that's a lot to handle. Yeah. We're coming up to our one year. We are. Wow. Give it another, another what, month and a half-ish? Yeah. Ish? Yeah. A few more weeks. God, that's crazy. Mm-hmm. We're going to have to do something big for that. Yeah, but we're not there yet, so we're calm not, down. We're not. Dial <laughs> back. <laughs> You're being hysterical. Calm down. <laughs> All right, so it's episode 49, so you're going first. Who are you talking about oh, yeah. today? I'm talking about the Gibson girls. Ooh, okay. Do you know Yes, who? I do. Okay. It's, for the listeners, you'll find out in a second. Okay. Calm down. Uh- <laughs> <laughs> you're telling a lot of people to calm down. Are you sure you're not projecting, Keeks? Do you need to calm down? Uh, probably. I always need to calm down. Always. <laughs> I'm on edge constantly. That's why I'm always sweating. <laughs> I'm always ready to slide out of a situation. <laughs> so I'm going to start with my sources. Okay. So I'm getting my information from a mental floss article called The Gibson Girls, The Kardashians of the Early 1900s by Aaron Blackmore. I love the title of that. <laughs> Encyclopediavirginia.org. Uh, New England Historical Society.com, an article called 
The Gibson Girl, The Turn of the Century's Ideal Woman, Independent and Feminine by Kate Bulow, Ooh. and an essay called Faces of Feminism, The Gibson Girl and the Held Flapper in Early 20th Century Mass Culture by Raina Joy Jennifer Pulso. Gorgeous. And no Wikipedia? Because fuck you, Sage. Exactly. <laughs> we're putting that on a shirt and we're going to make him wear it. <laughs> he he I, would. I asked him permission. <laughs> we're not just bullying Sage. <laughs> But I asked him permission, and he was like, oh, I would love that. And I was like, oh, perfect. <laughs> Gorgeous. So, Cassie, listeners, I know you've all been wondering, how do we make ourselves desirable to men? <laughs> it's really important that men want to have sex with us. I'm okay. looking at you, Danny. I know you want to know. <laughs> and, and now I have the answers. Okay. <laughs> She's taking Danny's notes. Danny's taking notes. <laughs> and... To be frank, they're not my answers. I'm just a woman. What do I know? What do you know? (laughs) These answers come from a man named Charles Dana Gibson. All right. (laughs) Charles was a popular illustrator and a mainstay of Life magazine in 1890. No, sorry. That should have been a period. Period. In 1890, (laughs) he launched his Gibson Girl series as his name, Gibson. Mm -hmm. Charles was a... Nope. <laughs> wow. Wow. Okay. To be for the it listeners. It's been two weeks since we recorded and Kiana doesn't know what she's doing anymore. But I'm also, I got a laptop for Christmas and so now I'm to save paper and toner. Yeah. I'm trying to read off of the computer and apparently I'm bad. bad. <laughs> Her tracking is off. She's a little behind everyone. Okay. <laughs> the Gibson girls. Uh, They were a series of drawings that portrayed what an ideal American woman looked and acted like in post-Victorian America. Mm -hmm. Everybody wanted to be a Gibson girl. And in fact, some say that to visit Charles's office was to push your way through hundreds of gorgeous models, each vying to be illustrated as one of the Gibson girls. Oh. Yeah. So, to be a Gibson girl, of course, there was a look. To go mm-hmm. with the name. One had to be a fragile lady and a voluptuous woman at the same time. Yeah. Naturally. Really. Yeah. Easy. <laughs> um, she was <laughs> tall, had slender lines, which expressed respectability, mm. and had large hips and a full bust to add to her seductiveness. Oh. Again, really easy to do. Yeah. Really <laughs> establishing that, uh, that hourglass figure. Yeah. Uh, a Gibson girl had a sporty jaw. Whatever that is. What the fuck does that mean? <laughs> I think it just it's means shaped like, s- like a tennis racket. <laughs> <laughs> I think it just means like square. Oh. Or more square. Okay. I don't know. Sporty. Can sure. handle sports. Balls flying at it. <laughs> I didn't want to say it. <laughs> you disgusting. <laughs> I went there and I'm pleased with myself. <laughs> um, she had a slender neck and full lips. I... These are all super attainable standards. It's just so everybody knows. So let me continue. Okay. Because it wasn't that easy to be a Gibson girl. Mm-hmm. This ideal and stylish lady wore her hair piled high in a pompadour or a um, chignon. Is that how you pronounce that? Chignon. Yeah. Okay. Perfect. Look at you, French. You added that. <laughs> I heard that. <laughs> it's a fancy top knot is all it is. Yeah. Basically. Yeah. <laughs> uh, her wardrobe was full of elegant dresses, shirtwaists bustle gowns, and floor-length skirts, each worn on the appropriate occasion Mm -hmm. at the proper time of day. Oh, because it changed. Shit. It's past three o'clock. You still have your bustle on? What the fuck's wrong with you? You can never be a Gibson girl. (laughs) (laughs) Um, She also introduced a new fashion fad into the world, which was the swan bill corset. That sounds uncomfortable. Well, it was. Well, it was more comfortable than past corsets. Fair. But... I'll, t- I'll let... Corsets I'll, in general just sound like a constricting terror. Yeah. Bec- on account of the fact that they are yeah. a constricting terror. <laughs> so this corset forced the torso forward, pushed you forward, uh-huh. and made the hips jut out in the back, giving oh. the wearer an S curved torso shape oh. when looking at, like, the profile. Like a swan. Yes. Ah. <laughs> Clever. <laughs> it was actually created... I- I seem. I feel like that causes back problems. You, We're getting there. You got Shit, it. I'm jumping ahead. No, you got it. <laughs> it was actually created to be less restrictive and safer for women to wear for long periods of time. 
Because Because they could breathe? Yeah. Okay. Exactly. But any benefits that it had over the previous designs were overshadowed by the fact that it caused hella back injuries and forced an unnatural posture. Yeah. Because, like, your butt was just constantly... Yeah. What is that called? What Tyra Banks called it something. Popping? (laughs) (laughs) America's Next Top Model. The booty tooch? You're asking, <laughs> like, you're asking the wrong girl. Listen, I think it's a booty tooch. Anyways, okay. your butt was out. Okay. It was super uncomfortable, just so everybody knows. Yeah. And in these super uncomfortable and restrictive corsets, the perfect Gibson girl would embrace outdoor activities. Fuck that. <laughs> if I'm wearing Spanx, I'm not moving more than I need to. You could never be a Gibson girl. <laughs> <laughs> Shit, man. <laughs> devastated truly i know <laughs> you could you're, i know you really wanted men's attention i know and, and look at this hourglass it. figure <laughs> <laughs> this hourglass is broken <laughs> i'm just a tube sock <laughs> Carry on. Where was I? Oh, okay. So Gibson girls were often cycling in Central Park or swimming, playing tennis, golfing, whatever. They were on the go. Mm-hmm. They didn't let these outdoor activities distract them, though, from their traditionally feminine artistic aspirations by drawing, painting, singing, or playing the violin. While golfing. Yes. Fair. Okay. And in That's a corset a- uh-huh. with a bustle on, or unless it was like 5 p.m., then it was a dress. Yeah. That's a lie. I did that. <laughs> um, a Gibson girl could not be poor. So automatically, <laughs> everybody in this room disqualified. Done. <laughs> um, as she was always a respected member of upper class society, her social status allowed her the time to look for personal fulfillment, finding it in the most unusual places for women at the time. So, so that would be like sports and stuff. Okay, yeah. By all intents and purposes, Gibson girls were, this is a quote, at least equal, if not superior to gentlemen who called on her. <laughs> oh, for fuck's sake. <laughs> As equal companions to men, these girls were sexually dominant in a teasing, breezy manner. Mm. They were always picky about men, crushing them ruthlessly when necessary. And were they were uncommitted in relationships, but always involved in romance to fight boredom. Oh, Okay. So they're kind of cash, cool, they're right? Real cash, yeah. They're the cool girl. Yeah, exactly. Gross. Okay, <laughs> okay. But now, seriously, all that joking aside, all of what I just said obviously is unattainable standards and like <laughs> shitty. And I'm glad it's more acceptable, but not entirely, mm-hmm. for women to have their own interests, interests and appearances. You mm-hmm. know, all of that. And honestly, fuck all that stuff I just said. Yeah, but. In my understanding, the Gibson girl was essentially a time of transition Mm -hmm. from, like, traditional, like, ooh, women have... Women have a place in society and they cannot go out of that. Yeah. They were the transition between that and first wave feminism. Mm Mm-hmm. So, in in the essay written by Raina Joy Jennifer Palso, which I mentioned at the Uh top, she states, through the strokes of his pen... Charles had placed the once-termed weaker sex on a pedestal, and the American women used it as a tier in an ever-rising pyramid. Nice. So now I'm going to talk about why I like the Gibson girls. Okay, perfect. So, one of the hallmark features of being a Gibson girl was that they needed to be indifferent to men and their advances. Love that. So, (laughs) aloof, aloof women who could give a shit less about them, I am on board. (laughs) Right. It was, like, kind of, like, playing hard to get. But some women just were acting like, oh, this, we're going to play hard to get, whatever. Mm -hmm. But honestly, a lot of women were just truly indifferent. (laughs) (laughs) Charles Gibson did respect that women were powerful and smart. The issue was that he was still drinking the Kool-Aid and thought that all the things women did were for him and other men in society. exactly. And that these women desired to get married, pretty much. Okay. However, for the first, for maybe the first time in Western society, marriage wasn't necessary Mm -hmm. for these women. And 
when they did enter into marriages, they could maintain an individual identity apart from her husband. Nice. In one of his collection of sketches, Charles's, mm-hmm. he told the story of a widow who, unlike the widows who had typically, before that, before this time, they would, <laughs> once their husband died, they would just be in a state of mourning until they died. Yeah. It was a real bleak time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but in his illustration, illustrations, the widow just transitioned comfortably into a new role as just an independent woman. Because he knew that women were capable of doing their yeah. own thing without men. So he's well, not all bad. That's good, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of his inspiration for the Gibson girls came from his own wife, who is Irene Langhorn Gibson, who, fun fact, turned down 60 proposals before marrying him. Talk about S- aloof. <laughs> Shit. Six zero? Yes. I don't think I know that many men. I think Let I alone ones that would want to marry me. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's that's the kicker. I don't think any of them would want to marry me. <laughs> but 6-0, and then she agreed to marry Charles. Okay. Because she liked him. Lucky number yeah. 61, I guess. Right. <laughs> Irene wasn't the most famous of the Gibson girls. That title is held by Evelyn Nesbitt, who uh-huh. is famous because of a, a murder that happened yep. in her life. But Irene was the first and the most influential. Irene was never able to finish her own education for unknown reasons, but it was probably her overbearing father that didn't allow that. And she didn't want that to happen to other people. Mm -hmm. And as the model of the Gibson girl and all that, a big part of being a Gibson girl was to be an educated woman. So by the Gibson girl being accepted as the model woman in society, that meant that educated women were now accepted by society. Absolutely. So that's another freaking raising everybody up. Exactly. Even in a corset. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Even though there's a lot of shitty things, we're still, I'm finding the silver lining. In this. <laughs> Look, sometimes that's all you can do. Right. And remember what I, I can't let you guys forget. Remember what I said earlier about Gibson girls participating in outdoor activities in the backbreaking corsets? Well, this was also pretty significant because prior to this, women weren't allowed to participate in recreational activities. Oh, for fuck's sake. Oh, not only that, Mm -hmm. because they were indifferent to men, they competed for themselves then and with other women, like, casually and for Uh fun, uh rather than with, like, a male chaperone and, like, oh, look it, I'm hanging out with the guys. Uh Uh-huh, uh-huh. So it was, like, a a big step towards women more openly competing in activities like that exactly and honestly just like being together and like doing things like that without Mm -hmm. their husbands or their older brother or someone there to keep an eye on these yeah you know these ladies yeah Mm -hmm. because we can't be left alone or else we start a podcast (laughs) (laughs) we revolt things get wild (laughs) so that was another good thing about the gibson girls Now, from the 1890s to the late 1910s, when the Gibson girls were considered the ideal woman, it was also in the time when the suffragettes were in full swing. Mm -hmm. In that time, the suffragettes were scary. (laughs) (laughs) These women were demanding a vote and wearing bloomers. And they were not to be fucked with. Exactly. Mm -hmm. So they weren't accepted by society. And while the Gibson girls could have acted as a foil to the suffragettes, Uh it's like, oh, I'm a dainty lady yep. like i'm not gonna sort of like the southern bell yep. did yeah they did not the gibson girls were feminists and they were suffragettes wrapped just in a prettier quote prettier exactly, package. exactly. they were a little they were a little less rough around the edges exactly and i'm not saying that the gibson girls were like better because a lot of Abs- times yes. like hedging and stuff like mm-hmm. that i'm saying that perhaps they were necessary absolutely as another movement with the suffragettes mm-hmm. The people who saw the suffragettes as evil and scary, obviously ignorant. Yeah. (laughs) Um, (laughs) um, And those kind of people are, like, hard to sway with reason. Mm -hmm. And I don't, I honestly believe that we shouldn't cater to those types of people. But I'm not unhappy that somebody did convince them. Exactly. Sometimes, some, look, sometimes in this shitty, shitty experience (laughs) called life. Yes. Sometimes you have to bend a little. Yeah, to, and it's, yeah, it gets to, into, like, to, to get a little, you know, to get somewhere. Yeah, to appeal to people who are yep. not 
it's all it gets down into like respectability politics and mm-hmm. who's seen as like oh respectful acts absolutely and i'm not super into that but i'm glad somebody else did it uh-huh. <laughs> and that's what the gibson girls did so it was essentially like look we can still suffer in a corset and do quote respectable things mm-hmm. but we can also be educated and vote absolutely so, like, us getting the votes not gonna cause armageddon uh-huh. like what they thought suffragettes <laughs> were <laughs> irene herself so the the model woman for the gibson girls uh, was active in progressive po- uh, political causes especially the welfare of children the education and suffrage of women and the education <laughs> forgot me out <laughs> and the education and suffrage of women she chaired the Child Planning and Adoption Committee of New York State's Charity Association. Oh, wow. She founded the New York branch of the Southern Women's Educational Alliance. She was a member of the Society for Prevention of Cruelty to Children and helped found and was director and board member of the Protestant Big Sisters program. That's fascinating. Yeah. God, she was in it. Good yes. for her. Yeah. She's... I'll tell you after. Okay. <laughs> Charles Gibson's illustrations and portrayals of the Gibson girls reflected new ideas about women's clothing, careers, education, matrimony, sexuality, manners, recreation, and leadership, and the nation absorbed these ideas without question or dispute. It had a large and lasting impact of women of the 20th century, and while it may not seem like it was a lot for the, like, a lot, Mm -hmm. looking back, clearly it wasn't great. Yeah. But for the time... It mm-hmm. was popular and it was huge. Absolutely. The scales were still unbalanced in men's favor at the time of the Gibson girls, but they tipped the scales to a more promising future. Excellent. Yes. And I'm just going to end with a quote from Charles Gibson. Okay. Because I thought it was nice. <laughs> <laughs> of women in America, Gibson said, quote, The eventual American woman will be more beautiful than the woman of today. Her claims to that distinction will result from a fine combination of the best points of all of those many races which have helped make our population. Oh, wow. I just thought that was nice. That is really nice. <laughs> when I decided to do this, Danny knows, I didn't uh-huh. know if I just wanted to do Irene. Oh, okay. Or if I wanted to do all of Like the, the movement as a whole. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And... Irene is very interesting, and I might do her mm-hmm. at a later time, but to talk about her without the context of uh, absolutely. the Gibson girls doesn't really make much sense. Fair. That's fair. But that was the Gibson girls. I like that so much. I did not... I didn't know that. I like... <laughs> God, I feel like I say that every episode. I had no idea. We learned so much, we, though. We really do learn so much. Also, I think it's kind of hilarious that, like, we, you started this whole episode with, like, <laughs> this is unattainable and this is nonsense. What the fuck is a sporty jaw? Nobody knows. <laughs> <laughs> like, these illustrations somehow weirdly, like, made it possible yeah. for, for women to be like, well, yeah, the, I'm going to do that now. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, well, that, she's riding a bike? I'm going to ride a bike because you know what? It's lewd and inappropriate, (laughs) but I'm going to do it anyway because that Gibson girl is, you know? Yeah. I, I think it was sort of how I see the movement. And I, it's kind of the quote that was said earlier. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Charles Gibson came up with all this shitty, like, yeah, (laughs) you have to wear a corset. You have to be this. You Mm -hmm. have to be this. Blah, blah, blah. But women really took that Mm -hmm. and sort of ran with, ran with it. Yeah. And a whole part of being, they, it was, what is that called? Self-destruct <laughs> of this whole thing was that women were indifferent to men. Oh, yeah. So he, like, put that in there. Uh-huh. Of like, oh, yeah, women shouldn't care what men think. <laughs> and then the women were like, yeah, we don't yeah, care what you think. we could give a shit. <laughs> Let's do what we Thanks want. Thanks for giving us permission to not <laughs> care. <laughs> and it's, and this, the Gibson girl era uh-huh. is right before the flappers. Yeah. So it's like. This really was a transitional period before mm-hmm. women just all of a sudden were like, fuck it, <laughs> fuck all this. You and it became... see my knee garters. <laughs> <laughs> and I should say it became socially acceptable on a larger yeah. scale for, like, on a bigger scale. Because as we know, women in history have mm-hmm. been doing this shit for a long time. Absolutely. But on a, 
as a massive movement of women mm-hmm. just not giving a fuck. I love it. Love it. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. Okay. I love that. That was that was very good job. Thank Thanks. you very much. Okay. Okay. <laughs> okay. Who are you going to talk about today? So, today, I am talking about the Trung sisters. <gasps> because I remember you mentioned them, <laughs> but then you decided not to do them. And for yeah. a while, I was like, oh, I'll just let Keeks come back to <laughs> to them if she wants to. But last night, I was like, fuck it. Doing the, <laughs> the Trung sisters. <laughs> I'm so happy. I've had th- their name is on every list that I make. Mm-hmm. And I don't know why, though. I just don't. I like it felt like such a burden <laughs> to start <laughs> looking into because I started and then was like, no, it's so much. I need to give it another time. <laughs> so thank you. I'm so excited. There was, there was a lot of things to kind of wade through, but I condensed it down. So thank you. No, problem. I'm excited. Okay, so I used distinguishedwomen.com, an article in the vintage news called the Trung sisters, the national heroines of Vietnam who successfully repelled the Chinese invasion for three years Mm -hmm. and an article on culture trip called hi, hi by Trung, the story of Vietnam's elephant riding warrior princesses. Also they are in that lovely book that you got me bygone badass broads. Mm hmm. And I used a little tiny bit of Wikipedia, but fuck you, Sage. (laughs) Still a resounding fuck you, Sage. (laughs) So, okay. So first I'm going to just set the scene Mm -hmm. a little bit. So it's 111 BC, which is the most amount of time ago. Yeah. (laughs) It's just so far. (laughs) So China, which is a world power, obviously, Mm -hmm. has just defeated the peaceful dynasty that was ruling Vietnam. Okay. Okay. The Han Empire, which is enormous, Mm -hmm. uh, has taken over and annexed the entire country of Vietnam into four, like, smaller chunks that they are ruling. Each district has been assigned... A Vietnamese leader who's basically just a puppet. Yeah. Right? Mm -hmm. For the Chinese government. And they answer directly to a governor. Like a Chinese governor. Mm -hmm. Okay. So now we're going to talk about the Trung sisters. So Trung Truck and Trung Ni. Mm -hmm. They are daughters of a general. uh, Of one of the districts. As far as I can tell. Okay. (laughs) It is old. Yeah. It's so, so old. What I can tell you is their father was probably a general or some other, like, higher up. Mm-hmm. So, despite how shitty things were mm-hmm. for everyone else, their life was probably pretty good. All things considered. They studied literature and the art of warfare, and they trained in martial arts, and they grew up to be brilliant women. They, like I said, they were both very very well educated and they were both in line to inherit their father's like land and titles and stuff. So things are on the up and up. However, (laughs) though their lives were pretty decent, they witnessed the incredibly cruel treatment of the Vietnamese people by their Chinese overlords. Bad news for everyone. Yeah. Not great. They were like exploited and robbed, and everything was taken from them. Yeah. No surprise there. Uh, When a neighboring governor came to visit, Mm -hmm. he brought his son with him, and his name is T-Sok. And T-Sok met the sisters, and boom, love at first sight. He fell in love with Trung Trak, and shortly after that, they were married. Okay. Okay. It was like, he fell in love with both of them? No. Okay. Let's see here. So the folks the folks in charge, aka the Chinese forces, mm-hmm. were treating everyone real shitty and trying to enforce this cultural assimilation, uh, which is a favorite pastime of colonizers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> they we well know. <laughs> they really love to be like, No, you can't do anything that you've done for hundreds of years. Mm-hmm. Uh you have to do things our way now. Yeah. 
They were suppressed, exploited, and those uncooperative, um, excuse me, and those who were uncooperative were imprisoned and executed. The Chinese also attempted to remove any progress made in the Vietnamese society. So they're, they're moving in the direction mm-hmm. of equality. Okay. In fact, it's believed that before China kind of came in and took over everything, that Vietnam had like a very matriarchal society. Mm-hmm. And they had, you know, women had every everything that a man could do. Mm-hmm. And I mean, if then, they, if the sisters were in line to inherit, exactly, yeah. exactly, like they had, they had education, they were trained in martial arts, like all of these things that, quote, traditionally speaking, in a patriarchal society, is not something that women get to do. Mm-hmm. So before China came in, it was probably great. <laughs> <laughs> Um, Usually, before colonizers go anywhere, it's pretty nice. (laughs) (laughs) Solid. Solid. Mm -hmm. So they came in and they were like, no, 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 no. Women, you get nothing. You're the lowest, Mm -hmm. you know, because the patriarchy says so. Yeah, because we're terrible. Uh Uh-huh. Exactly. Monsters. (laughs) (laughs) Also, this whole... I... I don't know anything about world history. I'm just going to be really honest. Mm -hmm. And so I did not know that Vietnam has just been fucked over time and again (laughs) since the beginning of time. Yeah. Truly. Everybody likes fucking with them. Mm Mm-hmm. Including us. Including us. I, but I, I, yeah, it's just wild. And France, apparently. I didn't read that far into it, but apparently France did it as well. Yeah. Bon me sandwiches. Oh, duh. <laughs> I, love, I love that all you had to do was say bon me sandwiches and I was like ah baguette French of course I don't know if you could hear it on the audio she actually smacked herself in the head <laughs> oh my gosh alright so then we get to the, the cherry on top of a turd Sunday. The Chinese <laughs> then tried to impose this crazy high tax on everyone and mm. basically steal all their money. Yeah. It's some real bullshit. <laughs> so, Sorry, I'm laughing. So. <laughs> this isn't funny. This is not. This is very serious. It is. But you know what? If you can't laugh a little bit, what are we doing? The- okay. So... T? Did I call him T or Ty? I think it's Ty. Ty Sok was rightfully very incensed by this and was pissed off and started talking mad shit on the Chinese. Mm -hmm. Um, He spoke about revolting and overthrowing the government a little too loudly, Mm. much like me in most circumstances, (laughs) and that got him in deep trouble. Also me. (laughs) (laughs) The Chinese responded by executing him. Not sure how, but... They then hung him from the village gates as a warning to all of those who were contemplating rebelling. Oh, This is what'll happen. Yeah. Don't fuck with us. <laughs> so fueled by anger and the desire for justice, Trung Trak went to her sister Trung Ni with a plan of action. Trung Trak declared, quote, foremost, I will avenge my country. Second, I will restore the hung lineage. Third, I will avenge the death of my husband. Lastly, I vow that these goals will be accomplished. <laughs> She's not fucking she, around. She wrote down those she goals. She wrote down those she goals. She goal setting. <laughs> and she's gonna, I'm assuming, gonna complete all of the goals that she just set. She sure will. <laughs> Trung Track 2020. <laughs> yes. That's her, I was on her little Let's list. put that on a shirt. Okay. <laughs> So. Just fuck you to her sister, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> Just her on her shirt. Sorry. I'm sorry. Oh, gosh. She can be her vice president. That's kind of how that relationship went. Mm. Look. So, word of the rebellion spread far and wide, and before long, the sisters had amassed an army of 80,000 warriors. Many of these warriors were women. Oh, damn. Like, a majority of them. So, Chung Ni was, like, a crazy good fighter. She was fucking fearless. And Chung Track was very much more the, um, 
the brains. Mm-hmm. She was a pol- you know, she's a politician. She's like, between the two of us, we got everything covered. No right. problem. So the sisters together chose 36 women to be trained as generals. And then they set out with their army to defeat the Chinese. Riding on the backs of elephants, the army pushed the invaders out of the stolen land and took back their homes. Oh, shit. Exactly. After a long, hard battle that resulted in the sisters reclaiming 65 citadels from Chinese rule... This was a huge victory for the Vietnamese. Yeah. So they had all but eliminated Chinese forces mm-hmm. from the entire countryside. Damn. Which is bananas. A huge like, deal. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like, they were like, bitches, let's get in formation. <laughs> and they got on elephants and they cha- they basically, like, chased him out because no one, no one expected this. Yeah. They're like, did you see the bodies we hung up there? And then they turned and ran when they came stampeding in on elephants. (laughs) Did you see the bodies we hung up there? Yeah, it pissed me off. (laughs) I'm on an elephant and I'm going to kill you. (laughs) Exactly. As she's like checking things off of her (laughs) checklist. Done. Done. (laughs) Revenge. Tick. An iPad with a little stylus. Get the Chinese out. Check. Domesticate elephants? <laughs> Check. Domesticate <laughs> elephants. <laughs> okay. So. The Trung sisters went on to rule the country for three years. And during their reign, the tax policies were abolished. The traditional culture was, was, was restored. And things were finally back on track. The way they think, the way that things should have been mm-hmm. the whole time. They were back on trunk track. Trunk track. <laughs> I can't. Oh, <laughs> good Lord. Their reign, however, was short-lived as the Chinese gathered a huge, ex- huge, <laughs> they gathered a huge expeditionary army to mm-hmm. go in and just annihilate their rebellion. Yeah. The Trung sisters were defeated in battle in 43 AD, and again, the Chinese took control over the country, which is very sad. Mm -hmm. There are different accounts regarding, like, the fate of the sisters and what happened to them. Some of them are very interesting. Some sources say that the sisters were killed by this, like, famous Chinese general, Ma Yuan. Mm Mm-hmm. Some say that the sisters died essentially, like, in battle alongside their fellow rebels. Um, There's a book called The Book of the Later Han that's just, like, a really ancient history book Mm -hmm. that says that they were decapitated by this Ma Yuan person who then sent their heads back to the Han capital. That probably didn't happen. Dickhead. Considering... It's the enemy, yeah. like, writing this history. I think yeah. there's a certain <laughs> yeah. amount of speculation that we can that we can hold on to. They, the um, winners don't always write the right things down in nuh-uh. history books. No. I know. I know, Cassie. It's really hard. Are you kidding me? I know. History? History written by the winners isn't always factual. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Does my Hit brain head again. exploding? <laughs> There's also several, like, legendary accounts. There's an account that they just, like, got sick and, like, ran away and perished. Not true. That they vanished into the sky and Mm. just ascended. Oh. Possible. Who knows? Rode off on a dragon. Don't know. We weren't there. But (laughs) the one that I most, that, the one that I saw uh, most often in my reading was that they took their own lives by jumping into a river and drowning. Oh. Most because they were like, fuck it. If I'm going to die, I'm not going to die by the hands of the Chinese. Mm, Yeah. Taking care of business. Yeah. So, anyway, the the second part of that, like, uh, that story is that after they threw themselves into the river to avoid capture, they then turned into statues. And these statues eventually washed ashore and were placed in the high... 
Haibai Chung Temple mm-hmm. for worship. So I thought that was kind of, yeah. I was like, that, that's, I like that. It's a little magical. Yeah. It's, that's nice. It's a little less devastating for them. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, this was this was just a fun one. According to another oral tradition that's been passed on, it doesn't make any sense, but it's pretty funny. So the army led by the Trung sisters was <laughs> possibly defeated when the Chinese troops decided to take all their clothes off and fight naked, and the mostly female <laughs> army just ran away in embarrassment because of these naked men. Oh, that one I that's the one I believe. That's <laughs> right. <laughs> like all of these women were like, "My eyes!" and just like scurried away. And China was like, "We win." Could <laughs> Could you both <laughs> Sorry, I'm just thinking if that was an actual like <laughs> bunch of guys in a tent like plotting and they're like, "What if we just run in naked?" <laughs> Because it'll, it'll scare I them. I think that's a plot for a gay porn. <laughs> <laughs> no? No? Am I, am I the only one who's... Okay. Your head went there. <laughs> I was just When thinking, doesn't it? Shit. What if they actually did it, but then, like, obviously the girl, like, they weren't scared, the women. Right? So they they're were just fucking like, warriors. They're, like, naked guys, and they have no weapons on them. <laughs> right? So they just <laughs> essentially... Bad plan. Bad plan. Bad plan. I don't think that's how anything went, but it's a funny story. (laughs) So despite their loss, the rebellion against the Chinese, led by the two sisters, changed the fate of Vietnam forever. It allowed the country to regain independence, even if it was just for a short time, Mm -hmm. in their thousand years. For a thousand years, China just dominated Vietnam. And then it was, and then it was France, mm-hmm. and then it was us, mm-hmm. and now good old U.S. of A. <laughs> and now they're mostly independent. And now they are, yeah, they are uh, but only after we, you know, dropped more bombs on them than any. Did you know that? Okay, we dropped more tonnage in the Vietnam War in Vietnam and like a few neighboring countries than we did in World War Two. I didn't know that. That's a fact. And so, like... That's fucking upsetting. And so, the... After we left the Vietnam, mm-hmm. they, like, couldn't rebuild. And, like, we were dropping Agent Orange. Yeah, yeah. And so, like, they can't grow anything. A lot of people were really sick. Uh-huh. We fucked them. Yeah, we did. We really... We... Danny and I were... I was explaining the plot of Miss Saigon mm-hmm. to Danny earlier, and I was like, it is... It's beautiful, Mm-hmm. It's abs- it's an absolutely wonderful musical, but it is the most devastating. Like it is it just will like take your heart and rip it in half. Yeah. It's fucked. Yeah. It's just all fucked. Vietnam deserves more. Yeah. Better than history has given them. Yeah. They've really been bent oh, over. Oh yeah, and- better. More maybe sounds like I But no, I get look, <laughs> no, I get better. what you're saying. <laughs> 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 they deserve. <laughs> they deserve better. Oh my god. Uh, I understand what you were meaning. Thank you for clarifying. For everyone listening, no, thank you for clarifying. <laughs> I didn't think. Thank you for clarifying that I was clarifying that you did that I did better than you. Think we work well. We do. <laughs> That's why we're a team. One of us can't do this. <laughs> Just really fucking it's, that, it's that white part that's really coming on her. It's like, come on! <laughs> okay. Uh, okay. Today, the Trung sisters are revered throughout Vietnam. Many mm-hmm. temples are dedicated to them, and there is a yearly holiday in February that commemorates their deaths. Mm. A central district in Hanoi called the Hai Bai... Hai... Ba Chung District is named after them, as are numerous large streets and a bunch of like schools and universities. Plenty of poems, stories, and plays were inspired by them, and they are a source of resilience, courage, and hope for women who live, you know, a lot more restricted lives. Mm-hmm. They are power- powerful symbols of Vietnamese resistance and freedom. 
They represent Vietnam's independence and are often depicted as two women riding two giant war elephants in their statues, which are great. Yeah. Their story serves as an inspiration to the people of Vietnam, and for nearly 2,000 years, their legacy remains one of bravery and sacrifice and is celebrated with pride. <laughs> that was nice. <laughs> Thank you. I... Look, that book, The Bygone Badass Broads, mm-hmm. is so good. And it is, uh, it is, everything is very, like, short, sweet, hits the highlights. Mm-hmm. And so, like, reading through it, I was like, oh, this is a good story, and this is a good story. Mm-hmm. Like, all of it is so inspiring and funny, and it's just, I really, really enjoyed it. So, yeah, reading was- theirs and then doing more research, I was like, Man, that they're was, fucking great. That was really good. I'm glad you did it. It was Thank good. you. Good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We've reached the end. We have. Oi. So, mm. where are we? So, if you like us, which you should, if you're listening to episode 49. Yeah. Um, Please go wherever you listen and rate, review, and subscribe. Give mm-hmm. us those five stars. We love them. Yeah, we like them a lot. Give mm-hmm. it to the, give it to us. If give you it to me, baby. Uh huh. Uh huh. Cassie, sorry. Oi! <laughs> <laughs> Good lord, I'm sorry, guys. I don't know what has come over me today. <sighs> Freaking weirdly, I need a cold shower or something. <laughs> I don't know what's wrong. <laughs> God, I came out with almost not with a top on with for you today. Good, I need to get laid. Danny? Uh-huh. <laughs> on that note, follow us on social media. We are at that Broads Got Moxie on Instagram and Facebook and at Broads Got Moxie on Twitter. That's right. And if you have anything you need to say to us, <laughs> suggestions, <laughs> comments, concerns, um, you can go ahead and email us. We are at thatbroadsgotmoxie at gmail.com. We sure are. Good. I think that's it. Yeah. Okay. Bye. Bye. Music by Sage Krenning. Cover art by Vinny Navarrete. Produced and edited by Danielle Barsanti. Side effects of listening to this podcast may include excessive moxie, zero tolerance for the patriarchy, sass mouth, excessive sweating, tipsy tittering, desire to stick it to the metaphorical man, fear of cats, empowering women, clammy hands and feet, the inability to do math, lack of patience for the bullshit, thirst for knowledge, questioning the system, cravings for bougie chicken, vodka, and justice, and in some cases can cause death on hills.